by the time she woke up, she was like, I know this isn't this. It's just the allergies cough. But if I go to work and I'm hacking, people are going to look at me weird. And, you know, it's going, it's only a matter of time before somebody brings this shit to the store. And when they do, I don't want to be the one that everyone's looking at. And I was like, you're right. Yeah. I'm not. You're right. Stay home. It's fine. She's yeah. like, but fuck this sucks and i was like nope that's just america I haven't trained you you're fine and she's like yeah uh, okay yep all right let's let's start this show it's 10 minutes yeah. in already all right uh hello and welcome to the watcher's guide to the marvel universe the show no one asked for peddling minutiae no one wants i am max and i'm jr and I've been here the whole time. Uh, <laughs> We've sorry. I've been watching. I've been watching a lot of Game Changer on Dropout. So, uh, and I just he he does that. He's like he introduces the contestants, and then he's like, "And I'm Sam Reich, Sam Reich, and I've been here the whole time." <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, how's it going? Uh, it goes. Uh, we got all of our. We got all of our bitching bullshit out of the way before the start of the show. So, no, I'm good. Yeah. Let's do this. All right. Um, and yourself. I managed to survive the first week of Moira learning from home. Um, oh, God. Yeah. Forgot to ask about that. It, you know, it's, it's mostly, it's mostly, uh, it's mostly she watches a video and then does a worksheet on her iPad or what have you. Stuff like that. Um, also, it's not a lot of... She's six. There's not a whole lot going on right now except like... Well, like, are you starting math and shit? Yeah, they're starting math. That's that's not the big problem. The okay. big problem is reading. Uh-huh. Um, she gets... She's my daughter, so she gets frustrated very easily. Uh-huh. Um and so I'm like, they they do stretchy snake where it's like, if uh, <clears throat> if you're looking at the word first, you go, er, and then you kind of bring them closer together, and then you say, okay, so it's first, first, yeah. like, yeah. <clears throat> um. And she has a big problem with that. Like, she gets so angry when she doesn't get it immediately. And I'm like, kid, I understand. But, like, this this is going to get so much harder. Like, Why don't you just tell me what the word is? And I'm like, <clears throat> and I'm like, because then you'll only learn the words I tell you. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to teach you how to figure out what a word is on your own. And then you can read anything yeah um but yeah it's it's frustrating um but overall like we survived it um so whatever it's it's quality time um (laughs) that sounded that sounded uh it is it's quality time i'm just you're he it's was not staring into the middle distance as he said that. I can see him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Just like... Yeah. Just dead-eyed. Um, 
It's quality time. And the cats in the silver spoon. Okay, I need to stop or we're going to get uh, hit with. Anyway, uh, so news. The the only real news, at the, because like Outlawed started and it's whatever. I mean, it's it's an it's uh, civil war, but by way of okay, boomer. Um, right, that's the one with like the that. with the champions. Most of the cast of champions just being like, "You guys suck, fuck you, fuck you, old man." Yeah, like which yeah. they kind of do. So. Yeah, it's hard not to be on the kids' side. Uh, I don't, I don't know what this, I don't know what the deal is, but definitely after the last two civil wars, being like, "Fuck you guys!" <laughs> yeah, all right, yeah. Well, and the the big thing is like, I guess, I guess I saw something in looking for news about how Spider-Man got called out because he sided with he sided against the teen heroes. And it and everybody's just like, dude, you started when you were fifteen, like, yeah, you are a fucking hypocrite, <laughs> like, and it's like, yeah, he is, he is, <laughs> he he's really a is, giant hypocrite. <laughs> um, this is not news. Like every time, every time, you know, playing the PS4 Spider-Man game, and uh, you know, after Miles gets bit by a radioactive spider, spoilers, uh, he's like. You started you when you were a teenager, and Peter's like, "Yeah, but well, yeah, but shut up." <laughs> so, uh, but the the big news is Diamond is no longer going to be distributing right now, so things are kinda up in the air. Um, you know, we were we were talking beforehand about this and. I mean, the question is like, yeah, what do you, what do you do? And the simple fact is comics. Yeah. There's always going to be, especially among people our age, uh, there's always going to be dudes who are just like, no, I gotta have the physical copy. I gotta, I gotta hold it. I gotta smell it. I gotta, you know, wipe my dick on it, whatever. And, uh, you know, or or Richard Meyer who has to sit there and physically punch a, a comic book, whatever. Um, what? <laughs> the dude from Diversity in Comics who complains about like oh, SJWs or whatever. I don't. And he, I literally do not care anymore. If he doesn't have physical copies, what's he going to have his dog rip apart? Like sure, uh, but but no, like yeah, the the most things like you said. Most things can shift to digital only, but like comics, it's that weird thing of like, if I can't hold it in my hand, there's a section of people that's always just going to be like, then it's not real to me. It's, um, it's so very strange because it isn't just old dudes, old white dudes who really want to hold the physical copies. It's like even kids like enjoy yeah. the shit out of being able to go to the shop and actually have the thing. Like, I've seen yeah. children do this. Like, they'd much rather have the floppies because it's a thing to have. And well, it's, it's it's almost like a... And it's yours. Yeah. It's yours no matter what. 
and that's that's a big thing in the in the era of digital rights management yeah. like you know that's there are two reasons that when i buy movies or whatever <clears throat> i go and i buy a physical copy and one of them is it will never be as impressive to say look at my movie collection tap to tap swipe <laughs> but also because like you all you have to do is look at as movies anywhere has become sort of the predominant umbrella under which all of this does uh or all of this is managed things like ultraviolet are shutting down and the thing is like it's great if you're in the u.s but I saw someone who was talking about Ultraviolet shutting down, and I'm like, well, did you link it to Movies Anywhere? Because then you'll still have them. And they're like, Movies Anywhere isn't in Canada. So I just lost all of my Sony movies or whatever. And it's like, yeah, like, if, if I buy a physical copy of something, then I have that. As long as there's power and my Blu-ray player works, I will be able to watch the thing I own. Right. Um, I, and that's been the thing that if you're in, a, if you're in video, if you're in, if you're in, in a video game community, I think that has been on your mind for a lot longer. Like we, video gamers have known about this problem for a lot longer right. than the rest of the subset of society. And, uh, because like you spend... If they wanted to, Blizzard could just take your money and run. Yeah. You've given Blizzard, you know, however much a subscription is for per month for 25 years or whatever, however long WoW's been around, because WoW's been around yeah. forever. And they could just turn off all the servers tomorrow. Well, and yeah. like, yeah. oh. Uh, or Dota to Dota as well. Like they could just be like, nah, we're done. Thanks for all the money. Uh, all the things you bought, they don't exist anymore. No, uh, heroes did that. And yeah. People were pissed. And, and even if it's not like a money grabbing thing, like even if it's not like sheer greed, right. There's also just the fact that if you buy a game, there may come a point where the servers are just no longer worth keeping on yeah like you could be the only person who plays it and then what yeah uh and then you just don't have access to that if, if you're if it's a game that has solo you can still play solo i guess but like yeah even at the very least a huge chunk of that game is now worthless yeah and and yeah it, it is it's a it's a concern and i think that's why Unless and until there is a major change in the way those things are handled, uh, there is there is always going to be a resistance to straight up digital only distribution of comics for anything. Yeah, uh, but especially in comics. Um, um. So I don't know. I you know my my thing is I guess 
if you were to switch to if diamond basically because diamond makes enough money they can just fucking like sit it out for a couple months um that's what happens when you're a monopoly yeah (laughs) um but you know if there were to if there were see what i'm saying is switch to digital only for the few months that it takes however long it takes to get this sorted right okay and then once that's over everybody returns to work diamond distributes the back issues um so you know those things are still available in floppy format you can walk into a comic shop and be like i want all the issues of green lantern i missed and uh they fill it and you're good um but of course like i can't imagine what this is gonna be like when anything starts again i yeah it's (laughs) i have no idea how oh anyway yeah all right so yes um things are gonna get weird uh support your local comic shop please support yeah comic shops are doing what they can but like with diamond shutting down distribution it's gonna get real real hard yeah um so if you're in a position to if there's something if there's something in the interim if there is something you've been holding off on getting uh from your local comic shop do it like you're not going to be able to buy comics in the meantime so you put that money toward that statue you've had your eye on or yeah whatever like, that weird thor omnibus that you've been pining over for of the 80s thor who wants that who are you what kind of weirdo do you want 80s thor omnibus what there's there's one guy that's just like <laughs> You know, my favorite era of Thor was when he was showing his midriff. Yeah, uh, is uh, and occasionally being turned into a frog. Yeah, although that already happened in our reading, didn't it? Uh, no, not uh, yet. No, that hasn't. No, that's during the Simonson run, I believe. Okay. Eighties uh, anyway, Thor. Speaking of who Thor, are you? Yes, yeah, speaking of Thor. Uh, we start this week with Thor number two sixty four. I will say that. I cannot I cannot foresee when I'm making the lists how things are going to shake out, but I'm really happy with the way this broke off. This was a good uh, place. You sent me that text and I didn't respond to it because I did not understand because it was 11 in the morning. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, but no. This was a really great break. Yeah, because we, we wrapped up the Odin stuff and then we come back and it's like, Loki's sitting on the throne of Asgard, and then it's just like, and done for the week. Yeah. Uh, then we pick up and finish this out. Um, so Thor number 264 has a cover by Walt Simonson, Joe Sinnott, and Dan Cresby. is written by Len Wein, penciled by Walt Simonson, inked by Tony DeZuniga, colored by Glynis Wein, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Len Wein. So... Thor and everybody are balking at the fact that Loki now rules Asgard. And Loki's just like, what do you want? Like, who should it have been? You were gone. Odin's missing. Who should have been running the uh, 
the realm eternal other than me. And uh, Thor's like, yeah, okay, but I'm back now. At which point Loki pulls out a document from this uh, cask of I forget, cask of sovereignty that is ostensibly written by Loki or by Odin that says that if he is ever not in a position to sit on the throne, whoever can get to it first, yeah, everybody must defer to, and uh, which is a very. Uh eight-year-olds in the backyard kind of rules yeah whoever gets first is in is in charge yeah um so everybody's just like well can't do anything about it they load odin into uh a room to sleep but they he is then uh stolen away by the enchantress and executioner um thor Sif and and the recorder decide to set out to Carnilla's realm because they ask about Balder and uh, Loki's like, yeah, he and Carnilla fucked off back to her play or to her kingdom. And they're just like, huh, okay. That really, so they go to go after him. That doesn't sound like Balder. I yeah, specifically um, told him to not let you do this. Yeah. And then he left. Yeah. Um, they go, they go to talk to Carnilla, Carnilla, along the way they fight storm giants, but when they get there, Carnilla's just like, no, he chose to stay. Uh, and they're like, well, somebody's lying and Carnilla's like, okay, but, <laughs> like, why would I? Um, well, somebody's lying and she's like, yeah, who are you dealing with? It's just like, Dummy. Hey, I wonder who that could be. <laughs> um, because, like, yeah, like, Carnilla's just like, look, I mean, I'm not perfect, but when it comes to Balder, I play it straight as a general rule. Like, I'm not gonna do anything to hurt Balder, whereas the guy who sent you here is literally the god of lies. Yeah. Um, so, meanwhile, the Warriors 3... Uh, find enchantress and executioner um and find out that they're the ones behind it during the fight um enchantress and executioner fall into the fire pits which was helped along by loki um thor come thor flies ahead of sif and carnilla to get to asgard blows into the throne room and is just like where's balder loki's just like ha bye and then the destroyer appears um it's a great splash at the end of the destroyer though yeah it is um so thor 265 uh is color it has a cover by walt simonson and joe sinnott and is inked by Joe Sinnott. Um, we get a flashback as to how the Destroyer wound up back in Asgard, even though it was serving as Galactus's herald. Um, and this issue is primarily uh, Thor fighting the Destroyer, which is usually... It's always fun when they do that. Yeah. Um, 
but the main the major beats of this issue aside from that battle are the warriors three follow these three assholes uh crota magrat and snakear uh to because they they overhear them talking about knowing where odin is and they are either going to save odin and thus spare his spare themselves his wrath um or kill him where he lay and then remove the issue entirely they haven't decided yet well um, they, they're kind of waiting to see whether or not loki really does have this under control like yeah. it's kind of refreshing to see minions or sort of bit players in this case being like well it is loki we did yeah. back loki like i know that that's what we did we made that choice um we should probably hedge our bets though because yeah. he loses a lot uh meanwhile in the course of all of this sif and carnilla arrive back at at the throne room and they kind of launch into the battle uh, but in the course of attacking, Carnilla realizes who it is that is animating the destroyer at this point in time and breaks off her attack. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, but I don't know. I don't think we find out. Yeah, it's right, right at this the end. second. Is it right at the end? Yes. We find out it's Balder inside <laughs> the armor. It's his spirit inside the armor. Yep. Um, so what I was figuring was run through the issues and then talk about them overall. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. So Thor 266 has a cover by Walt Simonson, Joe Sinnott, and Annette Kowacki and is inked by Tony DeZuniga. Um, Loki's just like, haha, my plan worked. Carnilla is no longer attacking. Uh... In the course of this, so the th Warriors Three are following the three, the three Stooges that work for Loki. Um, they arrive where Odin is, and they then proceed to deal with them, like in pretty short order. My favorite part of this is that uh, Volstag straight sneezes a guy into a wall. And yep. possibly to <laughs> death. Like, yep. the, way, the way it's written, it kind of implies that the dude is now one with the wall. And uh, it's just like, so... So that guy... That guy's a smear now. <laughs> like, he's... He's lacking a dimension. Um, but, yeah. Um, we also, in the course of this, find out that uh, Loki is not leaving anything to chance and actually has them the cave is has been he's cast the mists of morpheus that will keep odin asleep even after the odin sleep is technically done um so carnilla carnilla had vanished from the battle but then reappears behind loki um, that's fucking rad like yeah her piecing out and then immediately showing up like Sif turns around and is like, what are you doing? Why aren't you hitting it? And she's like, whoosh, just this giant fireball. 
of Carmilla magic and just pieces out and she's like, holy shit, what a, okay. And then yeah. cut to Loki and Loki's like, uh-oh. And like, he literally gets just enough time to be like, where'd Carnilla go? And turns around and Carnilla's like, right here, wham! And just yeah. blasts the fuck out of him. And she is pissed. Like, yeah. because she knows, like she learned first before we did even that Boulder's in the Destroyer and that, you know, if Thor happens to be able to destroy the Destroyer, then Baldur's Baldur's probably toast. So she's yeah. like, no, no, no. And she just whammies the fuck out of him. It's great. To the point that, Thor, she, that, Loki, that Loki's like, okay, cool. I'm gonna go elsewhere. Bye. <laughs> well, so she steals Baldur's body and yeah. tries to race it back to the Destroyer so as to reunite body and spirit. Loki right. stops her. Um, but, uh, he winds up, so Baldur's spirit winds up leaving the destroyer and it becomes a race between Loki and the absolutely bedraggled. Oh yeah. He's got to get to the destroyer. Cause he's been this entire, this entire time since the destroyer popped up, it's just been Thor getting battered, uh, by the destroyer. And he has like next to nothing left. So he is he is putting everything he has left into beating Loki to the destroyer. He manages to just barely get there first. Thor's spirit enters the destroyer. The first thing the destroyer like sets eyes on is Loki, so it sets out to destroy him. Uh, and it's about to when Odin appears. The three war the Warriors three were successful in saving Odin. Odin commands the destroyer to kneel. It does. Uh and Odin releases Thor's spirit to rejoin his body. Uh tells him how proud it how proud he is. Yada yada yada. Um This was a this was a nice wrap up because it didn't it it kind of felt like in the course of the quest to find Odin, we kept getting sidetracked. And that didn't really happen here. There's nothing really that happens here that isn't necessary to it. No, it's um, it's three issues of let's tell a story. Like, let's tell yeah. a three-issue story. And... Yep all of it's on purpose all of it makes sense like the people that are around are there for a reason uh we kind of lost recorder until the end didn't we recorder is just kind of a <laughs> like there's not really a lot recorder's been able to do he's just kind of recording he's just <laughs> like yep okay i'm getting all this down cool yep. Uh, These they, tapes are going to be really cool for the people back home to watch. The Rigelians are going to love this. Um, but yeah, it's real, real tight and real good. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's going to be a theme for the week, actually. There Heads are up. there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of twists and turns to it, but nothing feels wasted. The stuff with Balder is necessary. Uh, so is the stuff with the Warriors 3. 
and so on. Like, there's no part of it that I'm just like, okay, yeah, uh-huh. Well, there's there's that. twists and turns, but not with our title character. Our title right. character has a goddamn mission first. Like, in, issue, in the first issue, it's, well, okay, this sucks, I hate you, and where did Balder go? Like, yeah. that sets it off for him. And then coming back to be like, I hate you and you're lying, where is Balder? And then... Then Thor spends two issues just fighting the destroyer. Like and, <laughs> and getting his shit kicked out of him. While all the rest of the story is actually happening with our other characters. Which is yeah. really cool. Like, I know that sounds like you wouldn't want that because um you know, our main character should be in charge of all the action or whatever. And it's like, no, my main character is doing exactly what I want him to be doing, which is right. being awesome while he fights a terrible thing, right? Like, that's yeah. perfect for him. I want the Warriors 3 doing a little bit of skullduggery. And I want the Sif, Carnilla, and Balder to be doing all the things that they did. Like, yeah. this this is a really great issue, Um I also don't mind that Odin, or story, Odin shows up at the very end to just be Odin and get out of the way. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the art's really tight. Uh, you know, just, yeah. Uh, so, Amazing Spider-Man number 165 has a cover by John Romita Jr., Written by Len Wein, penciled by Ross Andrew, inked by Mike Esposito, colored by Glynis Wein, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Len Wein. So, here is the Reader's Digest version. Main story is Stegron. Um, Stegron has a plan to reanimate dinosaur bones and then use Kurt Connors' knowledge to uh reflesh them um because you know like bones are bones right even if they're fossilized you can just slap them in a body and they'll still like work right that's how bones work um but uh also for a scientist like, degron's a fucking idiot i was i was also thinking while he was talking about it i was like you know so the most complete set of the most complete dinosaur skeleton in the or Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton in the world. I have seen it. It is in the Carnegie Mellon uh, Natural History Museum in Pittsburgh. It is the type species, like the type uh, mm-hmm. specimen. And uh, it's like if you got a Tyrannosaurus Rex, this is what we judge it against, and it is still like a lot of plaster. So yeah. I was like, you don't, you don't know how this works, do you? Not at all. <laughs> um, well, whatever. Uh, Kurt Connors, Kurt Connors has, had been hit by some feedback from restoring Spidey after the whole Kingpin situation. Uh, and so as a result, he winds up transforming into the lizard after Stegron captures, kidnaps his son to force him to help and yeah uh meanwhile 
in the in the in terms of secondary storylines uh peter confronts flash peter runs into flash and confronts him about his dating mary jane and flash is like whoa i did not know i would not have had i known and i'm gonna go talk to her now uh which i really i really like this because it so often this book you know the the first inclination is automatically to you know we're still we're still in the era where everybody remembers flash as an asshole like if you started reading in the 80s 90s or 2000s flash is like okay whatever but unless it's during that time when he lost his memory and he was back to being an asshole but generally speaking this is still the period where everybody remembers who Flash used to be. Yeah. So the first inclination is to just be like, yeah, Flash is a dick. And so <sighs> it's really nice for for this to just be like, what the fuck is your problem, man? And he's like, whoa, okay. I didn't know. Well, I'm sorry. I would I, not have. <laughs> like, I think it's really great because Peter comes at him way hot. Like, yeah. he comes at him way hot and flash is like um okay you done and Peter's like yeah i am done and he's like all right so and then he just is like i didn't know man i thought i thought y'all were done or not doing it right now like and she didn't say she didn't say anything so i'll go talk to her about like how that wasn't really cool to do to me and then you figure you're you're you guys out um but i want you to know we're cool right and peter's like oh yeah i'm sorry we're cool and and i'm an asshole and then he walks away and he's just like i am an asshole (laughs) and it's like yes peter you are (laughs) yeah yeah you are an asshole uh so so in this Stegron makes off with some dinosaur bones and then at the very end Connors turns into the lizard and he's just like I'm going to destroy Stegron uh Amazing Spider-Man number 166 oh uh we do sorry I forgot the other things uh Peter and MJ do wind up talking and they're just kind of like we're gonna figure this out she's like she is like, yeah, I was lashing out at you for always just disappearing on me. Like, everybody else, their relationships are, like, evolving and stabilizing. Whereas with you, like, we have some fun and then suddenly you disappear to go take pictures. And it's just like, dude, just tell her you're Spider-Man. Well, like, and um, she does, she even admits, she's like... Also, the other thing is that I don't even know if I want the thing that they're doing. Like, right. she's like, I haven't got to the point where she's like, I see uh, Betty and Ned, and I see uh, Harry, Harry and, and Liz, and Liz, and I, and they're all. Which they announced the they announced this week that they're getting married somewhere. I think it's away. next issue, maybe. But anyway, she's like, I see all them. They're everybody's mooning after each other getting it's married. Next issue, yeah, and. She and she's like, and I, I, I see that, and I, she's like, I think that's what I'm supposed to be doing, but I don't even know if that's what I want. And it's yeah, like, she's like, that's never been me. And I'm like, well, 
which is like they have a incredibly honest conversation about themselves which is cool um yeah because he's like i want to be i think i want to be i really like being around you uh yeah. and she's like i really like it too they even talk about like the kiss before he went to paris like yeah 20 issues ago and well not that long but a while ago and uh he's like and she's like it, it felt different i don't know what's going on and then peter's like so they make a solution their agreement is and is to do no, to do nothing really yeah which is like rarely the right answer but actually i think it is the right answer in this instance where they're just yeah. like here's what we're gonna do we're both gonna chill yeah. and like let it come as it may uh we both yeah. know how we feel about each other but other than that we're not making any promises and she's like that actually seems like the best answer okay right. perfect this is the happiest relation this is the best like relationship situation that he's been in since gwen died yeah um, well yeah and it's probably the best it's going to be until such time as she finds out which is Spider-Man. in a hundred years uh so yeah um the other thing is that so jameson is working with dr marla madison to destroy spider-man I so here's the thing in reading this I really like Marla because she she is one of the few people even though she is ostensibly his employee she is one of the few people in this book in this universe who does not take shit from John J. J. Jonah Jameson <laughs> she really he is, does he's like she at one point like he's standing there like he comes in and he's smoking a cigar and she takes it out of his mouth and puts it out and he's like I just lit that that's a five dollar Cuban and he like takes it and sort of uh works out the kinks and puts it back in his cigar case but uh what I did not realize is this is the this is Marla this is the woman he winds up marrying later on so i did not realize that when she first showed up that oh that's that's fucking marla like this is marla, how they marla. meet is creating a spider slayer well <laughs> to be fair that's how jo J. jonah jameson meets most people in his <laughs> life is hey at, you want to destroy spider-man okay the, at the paper or trying to destroy Spider-Man. <laughs> so, uh, Amazing Spider-Man number 166. Uh, this is this is kind of cool because it winds up being a three-way fight between Spider-Man, the Lizard, and uh, Stegron. Stegron... <laughs> uh, Stegron, Stegron is a joke, but that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's it's funny because, like, Spider-Man is in the middle of all of this and they both hate him. So they're both trying to destroy him and each other. The lizard, the lizard remembers that, um, Stegron took Connors's son. And so he's like determined to kill him, not only for usurping his position as King of the Lizards, but also for that, um, Spider-Man ultimately defeats Lizard by 
Uh, he had mixed the cure to lizardism into his webbing and hits Connors with it. Connors reverts, um, and it is actually Connors who winds up taking down the various reanimated dinosaurs, um, so on and so forth. Uh, and then uh, Spider-Man fights Stegron. Stegron winds up uh, falling into the frozen river uh, and like Spider-Man's like right there but Stegron is not in a position to like do anything and so he winds up uh, seemingly dying um, yeah, it's cold and snowing, and he's a lizard and um, yeah, cold blooded. So we don't we don't really understand how dinosaurs work at this time. So yeah, um, but yeah, Liz and Liz and Harry get uh, engaged. This issue, Peter was supposed to be there at the party, but he calls up Mary Jane and he's like, "Hey, I'm not going to be able to make it," and she's like, "Okay." Um, Again, like they actually pay off the conversation from last time where she's like okay cool like i understand uh you've got something going on um you're clearly not gonna tell me that part sort of ear i can't i think that she's just being like i'm gonna take that part and put it over here and we'll put that in a box (laughs) just kind of leave it for right now but uh uh yeah okay bye uh the coolest like emotional thing that actually happens in this book that during this issue that I just fucking loved was <clears throat> lizard gets out or lizard bursts out of the Connors apartment right because he was going at the very beginning he was going there to talk to Connors about something uh, lizard breaks out they have a bit of a tussle and uh, lizard ends up down underneath a in the sewers he goes back upstairs and mrs connors is in the apartment being like everything is fine this yeah. did, this didn't nothing and peter's like hey uh okay and she just breaks down and it's yeah and he's like okay here's what we're gonna do first we're gonna put your tree up right because it's christmas time and he's like first we're gonna stand the tree up yeah then we're gonna put all uh, the presents back where they're supposed to be. And I'm going to now promise you that I'm going to bring your son and husband back. And she's like, okay, can you do that, yeah, this please? Entire, this entire week is Christmassy. Like, yeah. Everything is Christmas. Which is uh, weird, because these were all released in March. Um, eh. Whatever. But uh, he, he does a really good job of not only calming her down, but like... Getting it, getting the information he needed out of her too, like it's a really great beat. Um, everything, I everything like in this issue, <sighs> Stegron is just kind of Stegron is the thing we had. Stegron is the price of admission. Like <laughs> yeah. that's the way I feel about this. Is the Stegron stuff is stupid, uh, other than like Stegron versus Lizard versus Spider Man, but. All of the secondary stuff, like all of the stuff in Peter's life, all of the 
supporting characters in this are really fucking strong. Yeah. And so, yeah, these issues, I really dig what they're doing. Um, and even the Stegron thing is dumb at the outset, but like, I don't care because A, it's Spider-Man. Like, I'm not, I'm not expecting a whole lot from 70 Spider-Man villains unless right. it's one of the Sinister Six, right? Right. Um, and they've been disappointing the shit out of me. Like, Sandman, never mind. Um, but <laughs> the, I'm not expecting a lot out of Stegron. And it actually ends up, the end is not as terrible as it could have been. The way he yeah, gets beaten, the ending is... he gets beaten yeah. actually by Connors. And then there's a little bit of like pathos at the end where he's like, it's too fucking cold. I got to get out of here or I'm going to die. And yeah. Spider-Man's like still searching around. It throws a rock to distract Spider-Man and it's just like, oh, that was it. That was the end of the energy. Bye. Yeah. I'm sure we'll see him again because of course. But yeah. Well, yeah. There. Yeah. He shows up a lot. Um so yeah uh all right so that brings us to peter parker the spectacular spider-man number four which has a cover by dave cockram is written by archie goodwin penciled by sal bashima inked by mike esposito colored by janice cohen and marie severin lettered by karen mantlow and edited by archie goodwin um this has the overarching story here is some mafiosos piss off the vulture because they try to shake him down, not realizing who he is. And he is just like, fuck you. I'm the vulture. And so the Morgan who last showed up in Captain America and the Falcon uh, is just like, okay, well, let's bring him on board. Uh, but the vulture, oddly, doesn't respond well to that. Um, so, the vulture, having now souped up his kit, uh, proceeds to start taking hostages, demanding that Spider-Man come and fight him. Um, the... Uh, eventually, Spider-Man does come. Um, and, uh, they have a fight. However, oh, Morgan, it's a really what? good fight. It's a really good fight. Um, however, Morgan in an effort to get revenge on the vulture has hired a dude called the Hitman uh, to kill Spider-Man before vulture can. Uh, so then the hitman, uh, the hitman intercedes in the fight in order to blast Vulture off and then kill Spider-Man in front of him. Yeah. Uh, in the background of all of this, we're still dealing with Flash's Shawshan stuff. Um, this, this currently does not feel as tight as a lot of the stuff we just did in amazing spider-man no and i i don't i'm not sure how much of that 
how much of that is because we're reading it right after Spy Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and so I'm not like I'm not sure if it's suffering in comparison to what's happening in Amazing Spider-Man or if it's just if I were reading on on its own, I'd still wish that they would just get to the fucking point. Um, you know, the only things that are loose in this to me are we're doing a little bit of faffing about where he's realizing that being Spider-Man is not only messing with his personal life, it's also messing with his school life too, yeah. which used to be the only thing he could like just straight count on. Um, and that's a little bit of faffing about, but it's kind of nice, you know, it fills out the issue in a way that I'm like, okay, that's, that sucks. And it's good to know for me as an audience member. Uh, well, but also, like, if if being Spider-Man isn't messing with, with his life, then you're doing it wrong. Right. I feel like. <laughs> right. Like, that, that definitely needs to be a theme. Uh, yeah. But also, the Shashan stuff does feel really loose and almost incoherent and almost like, what are we doing here? You've now well, drugged the... this out of a couple of books. <laughs> like, yeah. Can you can you get to tell me what's going on? Stop it. Like, this is a really good vulture issue that is being interrupted by the plot line for a future <laughs> issue that I don't care about yet. <laughs> yeah, the the thing about it is the problem that I have with this Shawshan stuff is we're not furthering it. No, absolutely. We're just checking in to be like, hey, remember that one thing? Keep it in mind. We're still doing that. Because she's still Cause, here and she's really sad. Because it's literally like they pop by the restaurant and they're like, is Shashan here? And the people are like, there's no one here by that name. And then she's crying in the back room. And that's it. And it's like, we've already done all this. We've, we've established that like... Uh, there's some weird shit going on here and Shawshan is being kept under wraps. It's kind of like the Stakar things that we were talking about last week to a much lesser extent where it's just like, I get this, it's weird. What about it? Um, Yeah. Either do something or don't. I don't care. We're just, we're in a holding pattern. Yeah. And it's annoying. Yeah. Um... So yeah, so we end the issue on a on a again a three way fight basically, uh, which brings us to Peter Parker the Spectacular Spider Man number five, which is colored by Janice Cohen and lettered by Denise Wall. I will say I love this cover. I love this cover. It is absolutely phenomenal. It's Dave Cockrum again, and uh, it is amazing um it has oh yeah um it has spider-man dangling there in the middle creating like a vertical line through the issue his costume is all ripped up and on one side you've got the vulture swooping in toward him and on the other side you've got hitman standing on a con some construction uh getting ready to shoot him and uh it's it's great i this is a they knocked this one out of the park as far as i'm concerned um 
Dave Cockrum, I think, deserves a lot more credit for his composition because we also have in this in this week's reading we also have uh, X Men uh, number one hundred, which is also a cover by Dave Cockrum, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, the cover was by Dave Cockrum, and it's a classic X Men cover. And it really, it really kind of sucks that, you know, the one cover everybody talks about is the giant size X Men cover he did, but these others are classics, yeah, and they've got some phenomenal composition. Yeah, he is solid. Like we need yeah. to, we need to give him more credit. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, so. In the course of uh, this issue, Peter's getting absolutely pounded because all of the normal tricks that have worked in the past against Vulture don't work. Uh, he tries to sabotage the power pack on Vulture's back, but he's electrified that. Like, none of this is doing any good. Um and so he we get a we get a brief battle between the three of them um but then uh vulture takes off and so does spider-man and so the hitman's like cool all right uh but we find out over the course of things when uh when hitman reports back to morgan He's like, it's okay. I put trackers on both of them. So Hitman then proceeds to um, find Vulture and sort of uh, rope him into a battle near where Spider-Man is. He doesn't realize that Spider-Man's... He does not, like, find out that Peter Parker is Spider-Man, but he's able to narrow down where Spider-Man lives based on the tracker and basically get into a loud fight with vulture nearby. Um, this then leads to another fight between them, uh, which Peter, Peter kind of takes a dive for a minute, which results in him doing what he does on the cover and kind of dangling there. Hitman goes to take the shot and kill him right in front of the vulture. Vulture is coming in for the killing stroke. When Peter flips out of the way, the bullet hits Vulture's power pack, which means he can no longer fly. And then uh, he is able to then go after the hitman, but the hitman gets away. Um, We're also, yeah, the hitman is a low rent punisher. We need to, we need to say. Yeah, it's the hitman. The hitman was brought in as sort of the Magia's answer to the Punisher. Right. Like he would somehow save them from him. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, uh, we also do a another revisit to the to the the Shawshank storyline, but also. <coughs> My favorite part is when after the first fight, when he goes home, he gets back, he gets back to his clothes in their spider ball and they're mm -hmm. frozen solid. 
because they were underneath a drain pipe. Did you say this already and I wasn't paying attention? No, I didn't. Okay, they're frozen solid because they're under these drain pipes. So he takes them home and he's like, okay, dirty clothes? Or he's like, clean clothes. Yay, no clean clothes. Because Peter. Shit. <laughs> All right, dirty clothes. Well, these are real bad. Nope. Uh, all right, boil the clothes I have, <laughs> which is such a fucking Peter answer. And uh, while this is a, this is straight like uh, this is a total college student move. Mm-hmm. Like not, I mean, this is this is the kind of jury rigging you would see from a college student who's just like. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so slap him on the stove. <laughs> but at while, which point, yeah. yeah, while he's doing this, he's standing in the spider suit with the with only only the hel- the mask removed, and he's like got a broom handle in, and he's it's the stupidest thing. And while yeah. he's doing this, Mary Jane and Flash come over, and they're like, "Hey, it's the love of your life, and I've got Flash with me. We got a problem. We need you to talk. We need to talk to you." And he's like. What am I going to do? Yeah. He throws a sheet on himself because he has no other idea. And they're like, they start talking to him about it. And then the clothes boil over. So Mary Jane goes in and saves him from himself. It's, it's the dumbest yeah. thing. But like this kind of dumb, this is good. This is, this is not wasting my time. Like, yeah. I like this. Like anyway, the yeah. Shawshank stuff. Yeah. Uh, so Avengers number 157 has a cover by Jack Kirby and Joe Sinnott, written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Don Heck, inked by Pablo Marcos, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Gaspar Saladino, and edited by Jerry Conway. Um, this issue is kind of... This is kind of the odd man out in terms of our Avengers this week. Yeah. Because uh, this one's just kind of whatever. Um, the short version is... The Avengers are chilling at home when they come under attack from the stone body of Dane Whitman, the Black Knight. Uh, It was revived in Doctor Strange's uh, storage space. And uh, I totally forgot that they just put him in a basement. Well, so he... The... The Dane proceeds to attack, saying, you left me like this. Uh, And so he takes out the Avengers. um, And uh, it's the only one left is the Vision. And Vision, Vision not only proceeds to take the statue apart physically, but also like mentally psychologically (laughs) yeah he he basically like forces the statue to confront the fact that dane whitman's alive dane whitman is off living his life as far as they know back in the 12th century you're not dane whitman like deal and so the the statue proceeds to bash itself to pieces against vision's super dense form uh the one thing i will point out in all of this wonder man is kind of like trying to figure out what's up with his feelings toward wanda um beast is like 
over the course of this entire week, we kind of see Beast trying to deal with the fact that he was the muscle back with the X-Men, and now he's just kind of like one amongst a bunch of people. What is he bringing to the table? Um, we don't really do much with that this week, but it's there. But it's there. Yeah. Um, the one thing I will mention, the, the we see a flashback of the statue coming to life, and there's a metallic hand that reaches through a portal and touches the statue, and that's what caused this. It was Ultron. We'll find that out later, I guess. Whatever. Um, Avengers number 158 is, has a cover by Jack Kirby, is written by Jim Shooter, penciled by Sal Bushima, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by Archie Goodwin. Um, it's here that we get the first mention of Beast sort of trying to deal with shit. Um, they start trying to clean up after uh, all of the... Uh, <clears throat> after all of the statue shenanigans. Um, meanwhile, in Canada... Um, there is this research station that is now being presided over as a little fiefdom by this guy, Franklin Hall. Um, one of the researchers is able to get away and call the Avengers, for which he is threatened mightily. Um, Franklin, meanwhile, there were, there were two women here. Judy, who's married to Joe, who was the guy who got away to call the Avengers, and there's Raquel, who has a wide on for Franklin, uh, and is constantly trying to undermine Judy in his eyes. She has a wide on for money and power. Um, well, yeah, because she, specifically she, in this instance, Franklin, because he's the one running the show. But, but he he brings it up in not this issue, but I think the next one that he was like, yeah. "You never even looked at me before I became Graviton." So yeah, I fucking hate you. Um, yeah. Uh, and Franklin has a hard on for Judy, even though she's married to Joe. It's all very soap opera. Um, so the Avengers in the course of this, Iron Man is trying to figure out what is going on with the team and he calls a meeting. We don't really find out what that entailed, uh, cause that happens off panel and they never really address it in this reading, but whatever. Uh, so, Judy brings in this costume for Graviton. Uh, we get a brief origin for him where he was designing a teleportation system, but that somehow fucked up, and now he has the power to control gravity. He puts on the costume and becomes Graviton. I was under the impression... That Graviton was a fan create was a winner from some fan contest, but I am apparently misremembering that. I swear I thought he was, but now I can't find anything about it. Um, so I'm gonna keep looking and see if I just pulled that out of my ass because I know. Here's the thing. I know he also shows up in Thunderbolts, and I may be conflating him with Charcoal, who was created for a 
fan character contest in the 70s and didn't show up until Thunderbolts around the same time that Graviton appeared there. So who knows? But we'll see. Um, In the course of things, the Avengers attack. Judy is like distracting Graviton because his back is turned from the attacking Avengers. Uh, Raquel comes in and she's like, the Avengers are here. And he's like, oh, Judy, you're killing me. And, uh, (laughs) And the battle is joined, but then like Graviton just wipes the floor with them. Yeah, with uh, his fairly loose gravity powers. Like, Graviton wins by being able to do whatever he needs to at that time. Yeah, um, pretty much. It's, yeah. It's not a great yeah. fight. <laughs> it's not a great fight. It's not fight a great fight in that nobody's... it's not scientifically consistent. Well, it's not, uh, and... it's not story consistent. Like, he does, yeah. it, he does things... He does several different things that conflict things that he could do earlier. Like, yeah. not this issue, but some of the next issue. It's like, I don't... Yeah. I don't care if your science doesn't work right. Like, most of the time, it's comics, bucket, whatever. Or it's science fiction, or it's it's whatever it is. But, like, at least pick some rules and stick with them. This one, it gets way too loose. Anyway... Um, Avengers number 159 has a cover by Gil Kane and Frank Giacoya and is colored by Doc Martin and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall. The Avengers are defeated. Raquel has whacked Judy over the head and Graviton gets pissed. Um, the other scientists who had been held prisoner attempt to make their move now that the Avengers are here and he's just like, fuck you and goes to throw them off because <laughs> they are now floating above uh, he moved the research state, he pulled the research station out of the ground and they're now floating over New York City um, he goes to toss them off but Judy's like, please I'll be I'll do whatever you want but please don't kill Joe. And so he sets them down lightly on the ground. Um but then uh we we have the Avengers captured um the very certain other reserve members like Black Panther shows up at the mansion and he's like, where is everybody? And Jarvis is like, they're fucked. And, uh, and, uh, so Black Panther, um, is there. And then Thor shows up and they're like, let's go deal with this. And Jarvis is just like, I wish there was some way I could help. So the Avengers are all pinned via gravity to a wall. <clears throat> When Thor proceeds to show up and start battering things around, Black Panther sneaks in and uh, is able to free... uh, He uses a device to reverse what's happening and frees Iron Man. Um, Iron Man frees himself. Uh, Thor free... Or Black Panther frees the rest of everybody else. Right. Okay. Yeah. My bad. 
but so it becomes Iron Man and Thor versus Graviton while Black Panther frees everybody else. Um, the battle is joined. They all start uh, beating on or trying to beat on him, but he lays him to waste. And then he turns around to be like, you see Judy, but Judy's gone. Um, he follows a trail of her jewelry and it ends at the side of the floating island he's created. And so he, uh, he's just like, ah, you did this. But, uh, getting so angry, he winds up losing control of his powers and, um, like all this shit proceeds to collapse in on the island proceeds to collapse in on him. Um, and, uh, the ball of super dense material. That's like, it's not huge. It's maybe a person and a half in yeah. diameter. Uh-huh. Uh, but it's super dense proceeds to fall toward the Island of Manhattan. So the Avengers race to catch it uh, and manage to catch it before it destroys anything. Uh, and they throw it out in the ocean. Yeah, because why not? It takes four of them to catch it, yeah. which is like, lets you know how big a fucking deal. It's Vision, Thor, Wonder Man, and Iron Man. Like, these yeah. are the heavy hitters and it takes four of them to catch it that's great yeah um but then it turn when they return to the mansion they find that uh jarvis after thor and black panther left used one of the sky sleds to go up and see if he could help and in doing so he caught judy in midair and so she's now back at the mansion as well um so that brings us to Avengers number 160, uh, which has a cover by George Perez, Joe Sinnott, Irving Watanabe, uh, is penciled by George Perez, colored by Roger Slifer and David Anthony Kraft, and lettered by Gaspar Saladino and Denise Wall. I will say, I love the art in this issue. Yeah. Um, there is some really dynamic shit that, that uh, George Perez does in this issue. And I love it. Um, this issue, having re- they return from all of this, um, and everybody kind of goes back to the you know everybody who has somewhere to go goes back to their lives. Yellow Jacket and Wasp fuck off to a uh, the lab. Uh, Thor drops Captain America back by Shield. Um, stuff like that. Uh, the others go inside and suddenly are surprised by the Grim Reaper, who, if you'll recall, is Eric Williams, Wonder Man's brother. Um, this issue is basically Eric Williams takes them captive and forces them to hold a trial in which he will determine whether the Wonder Man that has returned is actually his brother or not and so basically at the end of this he is planning to destroy either wonder man or the vision 
because there can be only one and so forth. Um, he, he creates this kangaroo court, uh, and appoints Black Panther to be counsel for both of them. And Black Panther rocks it out. Like he, he is poking holes in everything, uh, in everything that, uh, Grim Reaper tries to do here. Um, because like Grim Reaper cross exam or Grim Reaper, uh, examines vision and he's like, so I offered you Captain America's body at one point, And what did you say? And, uh, visions like I said, yes. And Grim Reaper's like, because you knew you deserved to be human and only a real version of my brother would do that. And uh, Black Panther's like, on cross-examined Black Panther's just like, why did you say yes? And uh, Vision's like, because Captain America was getting ready to attack him, so I played along. And Black Panther's like, no further questions. <laughs> like, all this shit. So, um... Uh, so, they... They proceed through this uh, while they try to find a way to get free. Uh, ultimately, Wonder Man is able to attack Eric simply by virtue of the fact that the shackles that are used on them are attuned to their biology. Yeah. But in doing so, Wonder Man reveals that his biology isn't his biology anymore. Oh, yeah. He is a he, completely different thing. He takes off the glasses and it's just red and black dots under there. Like, yeah, this is why he wears the glasses all the time is because his insides are a different thing now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, the vision in the course of this is just like, I'm not Simon Williams. Um, uh, and I don't know. This is really, this is really weird. Cause it goes back and forth between vision, sort of accepting what he is. And then vision also just being like, I'm a robot. I have no emotions. And it's just like, pick a lane, man. It like, feels this is... like this is the end of that though. Like, at the very yeah. end of the trial, Vision stands up and is like, uh, once I imagined, perhaps I hoped, that I was that I was Simon Williams, I am not. What the... I am not! Exclamation point. Uh, what difference... Yeah. And then the difference is between who they are. I am unique. I am the Vision. Um, and thus, I am content. And behind him, Wanda's like yes darling and i love you like this is what she's been dying to hear like yeah. their their relationship was on tenterhooks unless he came to this like decision my, my only concern is he never he doesn't turn around and say and i love you too or right. anything like that i feel like this could be her misreading what he's saying there like he's like i am content with what i am I am a machine, nothing else. And she's like, you're content with what you are. That's great. I love you. And he's just like, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess but, you're uh, right. They but don't I, do don't know. I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know. My reading is that we're done with this. He's he he is content with who he is and what he is is not. He has to confront it constructively. Finally, this is the way I'm I, reading. I agree, and I'm not. And I'm not. I'm just saying, like, I'm not sure yet which way it's going, and I haven't read enough of this period of Avengers to know for sure. Um, so I don't know. Um, the thing that I like is at the very end of this, uh, you know, we've, we've kind of been beginning to establish a friendship between Beast and Wonder Man. Ah, yeah. And at the end of this, Beast comes up and he's like, hey man, this whole thing was really screwed up. What, uh, what can I do? And Wonder Man's just like... Just leave me alone for a few minutes, like, and he's just left, like, standing over the the unconscious form of his brother, mourning the way their relationship used to be. Right. So, uh, this next one, okay. So I will say, I love, 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 love George Perez's art in this. This is the first glimpse we've gotten of fucking george perez like oh yeah the george perez who's gonna go on to do like infinity gauntlet this is the first time i've been like there he is like Mm -hmm. this this has some phenomenal like i said dynamic artwork that is just chef's kiss um however it is in a book that is yeah go ahead try to explain this to me go ahead try and explain son of satan yeah oh no i was talking about the art in avengers oh. i wanted to wrap up and say avengers yay okay. uh son of satan number eight however is uh has a cover by gil kane is written by bill mantlow and archie goodwin penciled by russ heath and john ramita inked by Russ Heath, colored by Don Warfield, lettered by Karen Mantlow, and edited by Archie Goodwin. The short version of this is, it is Christmas Eve, ostensibly the one night a year that Satan slumbers? I don't know. Okay. And Damon Hellstrom is approached by the denizens of hell who are just like, give yourself over to who you are meant to be, and we will join you in an uprising against Satan. We can kill him tonight if you but join then, us. Then it turns out that maybe the whole thing was being engineered by Satan. And Damon is just like, no, I am not what you want me to be. I am my own man and I am going to forge my own path. Blah, 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 blah. At the end of which, it turns out this was all a dream Satan was having. And he's just like, oh, well, what can you do? End of book. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Um, the one thing I will, the one thing that in the course of getting this to get getting my notes together for this so it turns out the reason the reason i say that it was penciled 
by Russ Heath and John Romita is apparently there was originally supposed to be an image in this issue of Damon witnessing himself being crucified. Uh, the Comics Code Authority was, just, of course, just like, nope. yeah, no, you can't do that. Yeah. So Russ Heath and John Romita, or I'm sorry, uh, a new page was done, which was scripted by Archie Goodwin, which is why he also gets a writer credit in this. Uh, written by Archie Goodwin and penciled by John Romita was done to replace that page. Is that the black and white one? Uh, I'm not sure. Possibly. It would make uh, sense if it was, because if they had to hustle so fast that they couldn't even color it, um, yeah, but this issue, I don't know, that could have just been a an editorial decision, like, hey, let's have a page that's black and white for no reason other than dream logic, but whatever. Um, this issue is kind of, bleh, whatever. Um, I mean, the end where it's like, all this was a dream of Satan's, really, I hate it was all the dream endings because it means yeah. it means nothing of consequence happened. And especially if it's a dream that isn't even my main character. So like it's Satan dreaming about Damon, which means that nothing happened. Um, well, and if it, if it's a, if it's a dream where it's like, Oh no, nightmare is invading our realm through our dreams. We have to fight him in a dream. Okay. That's one thing. But like, well, okay, when it's you, literally nothing more than just Satan was sleepy, so he took a nap, and here's what he dreamt about. I'm just like, I don't care. And well, because none of this matters for, for Damon. This. Like, none of this yeah. matters for Damon. It's sort of a, and this is the last issue of his book for now. So like, yeah. it's sort of shitty for him too. Like, yeah. Oh, well. Moving on. Uh, moving right along to one of the highlights of the week for me. Oh, yes. Uh, X-Men number 98 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Gaspar Saladino. It is written by Chris Claremont, penciled by Dave Cockrum, inked by Sam Granger, colored by Janice Cohen, lettered by Joe Rosen, and edited by, Mar by Marv Wolfman. What I, what I was... What I will say is I was really excited going into this because I just read the uh, Marvel's epilogue that they released, um, which takes place concurrent with this issue. So you see a lot of this issue rendered from the perspective of what's his name? Fucking Phil Phil. Uh, from Marvels with art by Alex Ross. And so I was, that really geared me up to read this issue. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. It's Christmas. The X-Men are in Manhattan at Rockefeller Center. Snow is falling and they're all just out enjoying being young and mutiny. Um, <laughs> Kurt... 
uh, creeps on some girls, uh, who one of them is Amanda, as it turns out, Amanda Sefton. Uh, but like everybody's kind of going their separate ways in order to do their thing. Um, one thing we see Wolverine without his mask for the first time. Um, there are actually a lot of firsts in just these few issues and it's, it's crazy. Um, so, you know, everybody's kind of Sean and Moira are off doing their thing. Um, Aurora is, uh, I'm sorry. Aurora was with going with them. Scott and Jean have dinner. Um, and Kurt and Peter go to creep on Amanda and her friend. Uh, Wolverine is just like, whatever, I got Wolverine stuff to do. Um, but the the piece of the evening is broken when Scott and Jean come under attack from the Sentinels. Um, it ends up that a Storm and Banshee proceed to start attacking the Sentinels. Uh, and in the end, uh, the, um, Storm, Cyclo, or I'm sorry, my bad. Jean, Banshee, and Wolverine are abducted. Right. Storm is able to save Cyclops from falling to his death. They're like, oh God, the professor uh we switch to the professor who's out with peter corbeau on his boat the dejah thoris uh which is a reference to fucking uh john carter and uh you know professors like these dreams man uh and the and peter corbeau's like yeah that sounds like it sucks but like Nothing you're describing sounds like anything near here in a stellar sense. So I don't know what to do for you. They come under attack from a sentinel. The professor is somehow able to attack it using his mind. Because this is during that period when we're still not exactly clear what telepathy involves. Um, Yeah. But then he comes under attack from another episode. Uh, and in the end, the ship is destroyed and the p- professor is captured. Um, ultimately, what this comes down to is uh, Lang, or so, Banshee, Wolverine, and Jean come to in a lab where they are being... Um, well, where they are being scanned by Lang's people, poked and prodded. And uh, Lang proceeds to go on this whole big thing about, ah, mutants hate you all, and Sentinels will destroy you, and balance will be restored, and so on and so forth. Uh, humanity must win, blah, blah, blah. Um Wolverine, uh, Wolverine, Banshee, and Jean managed to get escape their bonds. Um, they fuss around a little bit about whether or not they're going to save or uh, wake up the professor and grab him too. 
when they're interrupted by Sentinels, uh, okay, fuck that, we've just got to go, we'll come back for him. Um, they, and all of these threads sort of can come together at the same time. They just keep running. Like, they're just yeah. running through this facility and they're just blowing through walls and being like, let's just go until we, the audience, and Cyclops and Peter Corpo all figure out, and incidentally, the three of our uh, escaping heroes all find out at the same time that they're not on Earth when they yeah. blow through a bulkhead and are in space. Shit. Yeah. Uh, Peter Corpo and- uh, got from the Bahamas to the mansion. Yeah. Um, There are several things. First of all, I like, I like the reveal that they're in outer space because it's literally them falling and just being like, ah, yeah, like, yeah. Um, There are several things I like here. First of all, uh, it's only when Gene is about to be poked and prodded that Wolverine is just like, you know what? Fuck this. You can do whatever you want to the, to the Mick, you can do whatever you want to me, but you start to do shit to her. And so he just busts out. Um, It's this, at this point that the X-Men and we, the reader discover Wolverine's claws aren't on his gloves. They are a part of him. Um, And Banshee is just like, Oh man, that's like, that's the first point at which we kind of also get like the, does it, does it hurt? <laughs> like, because Banshee's just like, oh boy, oh. And, uh, and Wolverine's just like, yeah, whatever, let's go. Um, the other thing that I like here is Jean hates Wolverine. Um, like, she, she is... When, when they are arguing about whether or not to bring the professor, Wolverine's just like, we're not any good to him weighed down with him. Yeah. Like we got to deal with this, then we can come back and get him. And she's like, we are not leaving without him. And she just lays into Wolverine. Like I have tried to be nice to you since you got here, but you are an unbelievable little schmuck and I hate you. And it's really funny to see this compared to later on when it's just like, yeah, Scott and or Gene and Wolverine were attracted to each other from the get go. And it's just kind of like, if she was attracted to him, she was hiding it really well at this point. Right. <laughs> but anyway, um, we do also get... This is the point at which we get mention of the fact that Wolverine is not registering the same way yeah. as the others. And this is, of course, a reference to what Wolverine's origin was originally supposed to be. Uh, but then that was dropped. So this goes nowhere. Um so yeah, uh, X-Men number 99 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Irving Watanabe and is inked by Frank Chiaramonte, colored by Michelle Wolfman and lettered by Irving Watanabe and Gaspar Saladino. Um, our three wayward mutants are saved from the vacuum of space by sentinels who encase them in bubbles and bring them back aboard. Um on earth peter corbeau uh there is a there is a uh launch going on of the star core shuttle um ostensibly to study whatever 
but is in fact a cover for the remaining X-Men to get aboard and get up to space and save the others. Um, we get some brief moments here wherein uh, Storm is having issues with being not only in the shuttle, but also in this, like, spacesuit. Colossus straight flips the fuck out and rips his suit to shreds. Um, and they're like, what the fuck was that? And it's then that we get the first mention of Colossus' brother, Mikhail. Um and uh, we find out he was a Russian cosmonaut who was killed when the ship exploded on the launch pad. But as we find out later, he wasn't. Um, I also anyway. like that. Uh, um, just as a bit of reference, because it's in 1977 or whatever this was, this still would have been fresh in people's minds is all like the Apollo one fire was in mm -hmm. 70 67 i think or something like that and like corbo's like i i i feel you buddy i, I had friends in apollo one and they're yeah. like oh anyway moving on so they take off there's a solar flare and they're just like well we can't do anything about it now we've got to hurry up and get these folks and get back uh, we have a brief aside in Ireland where a uh, a lawyer God, is so getting ready to happens. send a thing to Banshee, but then he is attacked by someone calling themselves Black Tom. Ooh, uh, but yeah. So we we get Starcore starts to head toward uh, the space station. Lang sends out some, uh, some, uh, sentinels. There's a fight. Storm gets sucked out into space. Um, so on and so forth. Uh, they are ultimately, um, <laughs> in order to deal with the decompressing ship, Corbeau slams the ship into the side of the station, which kind of seals it up. <laughs> um, but uh, Storm is revealed to be alive. Um, initially, Colossus is incredibly angry over Storm's seeming death. Uh, we, as the reader, know she survived, but Colossus doesn't, and he is taking it out on everything he encounters. But then she shows up and she's like, hey, uh, so thanks for that, I guess. And uh, and everything. So um, I, it's actually super sweet. Like when he so they have a fight at once they land, they have a giant fight with some sentinels and some other dudes. Um, she comes in and he picks her up and is like, you're here and you're alive. And she's like, she says something to the effect of like. You're uh, crushing me. Yeah. <laughs> I have always been very difficult to kill, young one, but, uh, you know, I might not survive your bear hug. And he's yeah. like, oh, sorry. Um, and there's a weird, like, at one point, Kurt's like, I didn't know uh, Colossus was that into her. Uh, yeah. Uh, interesting. Moving yeah. on. Um, but ultimately, like, Cyclops gets contacted by Gene. And so 
Uh, Corbeau goes with Cyclops to go save Jean. And uh, the other X-Men are sent to go after Banshee and Wolverine. Uh, Cyclops arrives at Mission Control and is losing his shit all over Lang uh, when he's knocked out. Um, and Jean is like, Jean goes to step in, but then she's like, oh my God, you're, and then we don't see. Uh, but then at the end of the issue, it, it winds up that we, they are, the other X-Men are confronted by the original X-Men and Professor X. Um, so yeah. So X-Men number 100 has a cover by Dave Cockrum and Danny Crespi, inked by Dan Cockrum, colored by Bonnie Wilford, and lettered by Annette Kowacki. Um, so this issue, we wind up with a fight between the original X-Men and the new X-Men, the original X-Men, including Havoc and Polaris, though they aren't there at first, but whatever. Uh... So, yeah, um, in the course of things, um, we discover some weird shit going on in that Cyclops is wearing like his old costume, uh, Havoc and Polaris don't know anything about their last appearance having been controlled by Eric the Red, Beast is not covered in blue fur, and doesn't know what the hell they're talking about. Angel um, is wearing the the very short-lived um, blue version of the angel with the halo costume. Yeah. Um, and Jean does not recognize Storm. Um, so, in the course of things, Wolverine is just like, there's something weird going on here. So he lashes out. Um, uh, against the Marvel girl, uh, that they're fighting. And it turns out she is a machine. Um, <clears throat> at which point they're all just like, oh, okay. And proceed to plow through the rest of them. And Lang is pissed because he is like, uh, what the fuck? My ex sentinels were supposed to be the next step like this is awful they just walked over them um but also like it was part of his plan it was part of the propaganda plan as well to right use mutants to kill mutants the whatever lang doesn't have a great plan we get we get a brief recap of what or a brief flashback to how lang wound up here um, <clears throat> the thing about it is there were a few, there were a couple of things he mentions that I feel like we should mention. Okay. One is he talks about how he used, uh, some, so he's, he's got, he's got Gene Cyclops and Professor X and Peter Corbo in these tubes. And he's telling them all of this. He experimented on some random mutants early on. We're shown Vanisher, uh, who hasn't appeared in quite a while. Uh, well, it turns out this is why. Um, 
it turns out though we find out later on um that the vanisher is still on board at this time and uh when the x-men leave he's stuck there uh and eventually he finds his way back to earth the other thing is he mentions the he mentions that he got a lot of his funding and support from this group called the Council of the Chosen. The Council of the Chosen uh, sounds like a big deal, but never really comes to anything. And the reason for that is nothing ever comes of it in the comics themselves. In the official handbook of the Marvel Universe, it's revealed that the Council of the Chosen is actually the Hellfire Club. Yeah. So. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so the team, the team manages to make their way through the base to where Lang is keeping them prisoner. Um, <clears throat> well, meanwhile, Cyclops, this is one of those occasions where they're never really like ostensibly Cyclops eyes blasts are force beams in point of fact here he's using them and it's heating up the glass, but that could be friction. Like who knows? Um, it is a case to be made for it being heat blasts. I don't know. Whatever. Um, but so Cyclops gets out, um, Lang escapes, but then like Jean uses her telekinesis to fuck with his controls, which causes Lang to go careening into the view screen. As this happens, he's like screaming for the X-Men to save him, which <laughs> it, it, if you're about to die, at least stick to your guns. Like. Right. They're either going to save you or they're not based on who they turn out to be. But the fact of the matter is the least you could do is just go out with like a fuck mutants or whatever. But he, uh, he is ostensibly killed, even though we know for a fact later on, he's not, uh, the team gets back together and they're like, great, we have to get back to earth. Um, they're pretty convinced that the sh- that the station's about to explode, and they need well, to get that yeah. off. Um, the the solar flare that they in that they registered earlier on is about to hit, and the station in its current state is not going to protect them. Right. So they all pile on board the Starcore shuttle. Um. The problem is that even aboard the Star Corps, there's not really adequate shielding uh, if they, for whoever flies it. Um, they're like, the rest of us can get in the containment room, but who's going to fly it? Corbo knows how to, but he won't survive. So Gene pulls the information from his mind and is like, okay, I will last long enough to be able to pilot it. And I know how to now, so everybody else get in there. Everybody tries to, like, talk her out of this. Um, 
but they're just like she's like there's no point like it has to be me it's gonna be me get in the shielded section of the ship they do three different confrontation not confrontation like conversations where first it's scott clearly who's like you're not gonna do this and he's like she goes okay we don't have time whammy and he just goes down like and he's like and then wolverine comes up and he's she's like i she's like wolverine's like no little lady you can't do this and he's like i swear to she goes i swear to god if you do not go get in that containment pit you right now i am going to fry your inside somehow and he's like yeah gotcha and he leaves like she's rad when it comes to wolverine trying to stop her she's just like shut the fuck up and get like everybody buckle in now uh and then storm comes up and she's like please don't make me fight with you two and she's like i'm not going to I just want you to know that I'll be thinking of you, blah, blah, blah. Thank you. Uh, Tell Scott I'm sorry. Don't let him out of the fucking pot. And she's like, okay. She seals everything up and we go and is... What's What's kind of annoying about this and the thing that... The thing that while while later at a like for example the x-men animated series did a good job adapting dark the phoenix saga yeah um the problem with that is that the only reason this part works is because we have not yet established wolverine has a healing factor right if we had already done that have him fly like she can take the information from uh corbo and we know for a fact telepaths can use their powers to put information into people's heads so have him fly the shuttle he'll survive whatever but whatever so the standard phoenix origin occurs uh scott wakes up uh Scott wakes up and he's like, Gene, Gene. Uh, But they hold him back. Gene is piloting. The radiation starts pouring in and she's like, Scott. And he's like, Gene. And she's like, Scott. Uh, End of issue. The the one other thing I will point out is this is the first time we see the fastball special. Yeah. Um, Earlier in the fight. During during the fight on the on the station, uh, Wolverine tells Peter just like we practiced in training, and uh, he's like, "Give me a fastball special, boom, first one, awesome." Okay. Overall, like, goddamn, these are good, and it makes me so mad, uh, because. I look at Chris Claremont now. I look at Chris Claremont now and I'm just like, he used to be so good. And now, like, I don't know why it is that it used to be, you know, I'd see Chris Claremont's name on X-Men and I'm just like, fuck yeah. 
like Chris Claremont. Yeah. And now I see Chris Claremont's name on pretty much anything, but especially X-Men. And I'm just like, oh no, because I know, I know it's going to involve baseball at some point. It's going to involve Sage is going to be rammed down our throats at some point. (laughs) Like, uh, people are going to start saying Bunky again for no reason. Uh, you know, and it's just, it sucks because I used to love his stories and I still, it's not, it's not like things have fundamentally changed. When I go back and reread this stuff, it's still good. Oh, this is so good. This is, this whole, this storyline isn't done, clearly. Um, yeah. This is a good place for us to cut it this week, but like, it's not over. But like, yeah. this is all fucking rad. And I cannot, the thing that I, I was surprised by was like, oh, holy shit, we're doing Phoenix already. Like, I had yeah. forgotten how goddamn fast this shit starts after Giant Size. Like, yeah. you read Giant Size, and then it's like Phoenix and Hellfire and Dark Phoenix and like, holy shit. Or then the war with Lalandra and the gem, yeah. like all that shit's yeah. coming too. Like all of this is coming fast. And yeah. I had forgotten how quickly this shit starts. So yeah. I, I'm so it excited is. For that. It's it's you you think, oh well but it it is very easy to forget that uh Phoenix shows up. And then things just kind of tick along for a while. She's just Phoenix for a while. It's very easy to sort of roll it all into a single thing where she's Phoenix, then she gets tempted by the Hellfire Club, then she becomes Dark Phoenix, then she dies. Whereas here, it's like... um, It happens, and then you have a few years where it's just... Gene is Phoenix. Um, yeah, she so yeah, turns into Phoenix, and then we go do that Black Tom story. Uh, yeah, which the is, Alpha Flight stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So. Uh, done. Yeah. So, top five. Top five. The Watcher's Guide's top five. All right, so number five. Uh, We kind of blew by it because we were running a bit on time, but uh, Storm using the solar wind to defend herself. That's how she, after she got sucked out into space, um, she's like, well, this might be a bit too open. And also uh, the Sentinels get sent after her, and she's like, that's how she gets free of them. She's like, ah, fuck no, and uses actual solar winds to destroy the sentinels and propel herself into the station which was pretty neat yeah uh, it's kind of interesting to look at these early issues you know we kind of if you start if you start in on x-men now characters like storm and colossus and nightcrawler 
are very self-possessed. They know what they are. They know what they can do, so on and so forth. But so much of this is still very much young people learning about their powers. So we have Colossus discovering this week that he doesn't need to breathe when he's in his armored form. Right. Storm discovering she can use her powers in space. Uh, during the Irish stuff, Nightcrawler discovers that he can hide in shadow, which you would think he would have discovered previously, but whatever. Like, it is. It's very much... It's very much a, can, a, new, a new class of young mutants just being like, holy shit, I can do that? Yeah, like, and Nightcrawler... Whoa. Nightcrawler teleports like three times in the whole story and that wouldn't fly, right? Like in Excalibur, he's bamping out, bamping all over the place, just piecing dudes out right and left or whatever. But in this, he still doesn't really know what the limitations of that are. And it's really cool. I also think he can't do it a a lot. Like, you know, I think later on, Nightcrawler has reached a point where he's able to just be like, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Whereas at this point, maybe he has to like be a lot more conservative about it. Yeah. Because it wears him the fuck out. Uh, and like, he uses it and, in emergencies only. And like when he needs to get to a place quickly. Um, in the first issue, they're looking at the monitor. Uh, sensor trips outside the mansion when Peter Corbeau climbs over the fence um, and he bamps out of the room to get to Peter Corbeau because like he can tell it's someone in distress immediately yeah. not someone attacking um, he doesn't even wait for Cyclops to tell him to do anything he just goes Right. it's cool well yeah and you know and when you compare that to like when Warhawk shows up there's a lot of like you know if nightcrawler teleports someone with him then it knocks him the fuck out whereas now he's just like everybody grab everybody grab a body part <laughs> that start that was a weird accent i don't i was trying to do german and my voice was just like no you're not do, you're going to do some weird like vaguely russian guy um but whatever He's like, everybody grab a body part and, like, teleports fucking tons of people. Whereas at that point, it's just like, we need you to teleport this guy uh, on the other side of this wall. And he's just like, he does it. And then he's just like, I need a nap. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Yeah, no. Uh, Number four, my number four is Vision possibly constructively confronting who he is i hope that's the way we go with this uh like like you say i realize now looking at it again that maybe that isn't the case or that isn't definitely the case that was my read i really hope that's what happened um and you're probably right i i am a pessimist so like when something like that happens and it's like my brain is immediately just like hey Maybe that's been resolved, and it's like, probably not. Like, this is something we're going to be dealing with for fucking ever. Uh, Bullshit. Why would anything good ever happen? Hey, man. (laughs) Uh, Number three, 
Thor, Thor getting positively pounded on for two issues. Just, yeah. and every time it's like, okay, you can stay down now. I wouldn't even bother you. He's just, I wouldn't even be here. I'd be okay with it. He's like, nope, get back up again. Yep. Gonna find that one more reserve that I've got stuck around. And he just keeps getting up. Like, yeah. I mean, we already kind of talked about it at the end of the issue, or at, at, while we were discussing the issues, but like, I just love the fact that that's Thor's job for this story was to get hammered on so that the rest yeah. of the characters could do really cool things. Um, yep. I, I love that. Uh, number two is kind of a twofer because they happen both pretty much back to back, which is Flash being like, hey man, whoa, uh, their conversation and what good work that did. And then the immediate conversation with MJ where it's like, they actually have a honest to god adult conversation about their relationship and like it works yeah. and i appreciate the hell out of it and it sort of puts them in a status like a stable stable status at the moment and i that's right great um like i said it's probably the most stable his relationship has been with anybody since before gwen died because their yeah. relationship had finally gotten just spot on and then murdered. <sighs> yeah. And then uh, number one is kind of... Okay, so... I'm weird because I've never really liked Jean Grey. Right? She's kind of my Thor of X-Men where it's like... Mm -hmm. I, didn't, I didn't really appreciate her because... By the time I started reading comics, Jean, especially when I started reading comics, because Jean had died for like the fifth time, and it yeah. it was definitely a joke, right? Um, and so when even when she was alive, she was weird or whatever, right? Um, yeah, a distant and aloof. I hear the, I I haven't read any of X Men Red. I should look into that, um, but. the way she deals with getting everybody in the back of the goddamn bus um, so that they can leave at the end of uh, this issue or our reading this week is fucking fantastic. Um, and it really made me like the character a lot because she's like, okay, get in the goddamn you don't, I'm not, I'm not fucking around with you. Like when Wolverine comes at her, she's just nope. Uh, and when it's Scott, she it clearly hurts her to do this but it's like we don't have the time honey bam or boom you're down um mm -hmm. and then there with the, the conversation between her and storm is fantastic too so it's really like that section um that i really liked like we need to get out of here stop fighting me on this um and yeah well and i think this has made so much more they're they're goodbye here is made so much more poignant when you know yeah what happens with phoenix and you know that the gene we see for the next 45 issues yeah is not gene 
Yeah. And this is the last time Scott sees her until the fucking 80s. Like, yeah. So. Yeah. It's real bad. I don't know. I think, I think by the time, because I had that same view of Jean Grey for a long time. Um, and I think, I think part of that is just the fact that the X-Books get so unwieldy uh, past a certain point that you really, there have to be full-blown attempts to, and I think this is a mistake that Dawn of X is kind of making, in that the casts for those books are incredibly fluid. Like... New Mutants switches back and forth between, like, the New Mutants uh, classic, as it were, and then a, bun a bunch of other characters like Boomer and Armor, Boom Boom and Armor and uh, Beak and Angel and blah, 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 blah. And it's just kind of like, you have to nail down your cast. You cannot do this because this is when people stop caring. And the point we're at now you know the original x-men barring scott and gene are off doing their stuff they're elsewhere we're not reading about them so your core cast is the new x-men plus scott and gene and so she's able to get the character work that she needs to be an interesting character and by the by the 90s that's just not possible and so Gene just kind of is there. And the only thing Scott and Gene really have going on is each other. Yeah. And they fight a lot. And they fight a lot. And because Gene kind of wants to. Like, Gene doesn't understand why he's so fucked up. They fight a lot in, in the X Men. In X Men, they fight not only because. Like Scott's going through some shit because she came back to life, right? But also, yeah. he's sort he's desperately trying to not have sex with Psylocke. Like that's yeah. the other thing that's happening. In Which was such a was such a weird thing to like bring up and then do nothing with. Yeah, but by the end of that, by the end of the Psylocke Quanon stuff, like or revenge Psylocke things, they are. Like, just fine? Uh, okay. By the way, we had a love triangle. Oh, did we? Yeah. I'm not really into you anymore. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. I guess I'll... Like, I'll go be with my near wife. Uh, yeah. You should do that. I'm gonna go get killed by Sabretooth. Okay. <laughs> uh, nearly killed. Nearly, nearly killed. killed. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Uh, anyway... Uh, uh, that was me. A lot. Man, I am remembering so much X-Men stuff that happens between now and then. Yeah. There's a lot of X-Men shit. And then it gets stupid. We're going to get confronted real quick. Because I really, when I was reading through all the issues, I did a read through from Giant Size On at one point, And I really enjoyed Marrow. And we're going to yeah. learn how misguided I was. Real, like, eventually. In five years. Let's go. 
Marrow. I liked Marrow. I liked Marrow I... a lot because she was. When she finally got vulnerable with somebody else, like it was really tough. Uh, yeah, and they, it seemed like I can't remember if they handled it well. Is the thing that I right? Probably not. It was the nineties. <laughs> well, so the thing about it is, Marrow Marrow winds up. She's like kind of just around for a while. Yeah, and then she gets recruited into Weapon X, but then that just kind of gets dropped, and so it's like. Yeah, I'm not even sure where she's at at this point. Um, I don't know. It's, I... So Mero is one of those characters that, like, when Generation X showed up, I really liked what they did with that because it was characters for whom their powers were very much a burden and they were they were scarred by them yeah. not just emotionally or mentally but physically right um and marrow was that but also with all the baggage that comes from surviving the mutant massacre and being raised in blood and death yeah and so fighting her way back from that and finding some measure of peace was actually really interesting. It was. That was and... the thing that I loved about, I really liked about her is because I just wanted her to be happy. Like, mm -hmm. because of all of the absolute bullshit that went on around, yeah. that created her, essentially, like forged yeah. her, that anytime she got just a glimmer, I was like, oh my God, just, you're so close. Just do, and then she would, murder it with bone knives because that was what her character was like it made sense oh god i hope that yeah. i'd hope i'm not misremembering that no i think that there was a lot of really good stuff there that just wound up being abandoned yeah but anyway uh so my top five um number five is wonder man um oh. This is this is something I never thought I would I never liked Wonder Man. I never understood when people were like Thor fans, whatever. Like we like different stuff. Okay. I don't get it, but okay. But Wonder Man fans I'm like y'all are y'all are deviants. <laughs> And I don't like it. <laughs> don't try. I will not. I will not suffer a Wonder Man fan to live. <laughs> no, uh, I don't. I definitely am very confused. It's like, I, you know, who my favorite Avenger is? Uh, who Wonder Man? What? Yeah. Like, and you're like, like okay. The, like a, a lap. That one. That that guy that over there him? with the dumb costume. Like you see this red uh, costume, right? Like, what is this? Yeah, like, he has not had some good costumes. No. But I like what they are doing with him here. And that confuses me. <laughs> and I almost, like, I understand how someone, if they started reading at this point, right. 
could become a Wonder Man fan. Yeah. And that's strange for me. And this stuff messes with my head, but whatever. So Wonder Man, I really like what they did with Wonder Man in the issue with Grim Reaper. It was really good. And I really, I want to see Beast and Wonder Man become friends. Before it was just like, all right, you guys do you. Yeah. You do that over there, away from me, and we'll be good. Um, But this, this, I'm like, I kind of want to see them become friends. So I don't know. Uh, Number four. Building on that is George Perez's art in that issue of Avengers because it was great. I loved it so much. It was so good. Um, Number three is... uh, Number three is Thor this week because especially after the stuff with Odin, this stuff felt tight. It felt focused. It was great. Number two is um, just everything with Peter and Mary Jane. The flash confrontation, their conversation, and just the work we did on getting them somewhere. Like, maybe it's not where they ought to be, but who knows? It's a step. It's it's not like, what you would... It is not traditional in any way, yeah. right? But it is a real human like way to approach this relationship and it makes sense for both of them right like that's the the stuff with mary jane like actually admitting is so good fuck is so good just being just being like all of this stuff is going on and people are progressing with their lives and that's never been me and i'm not sure i want it to be me and but, like, like she's expressing i the... love you but like i don't i don't know if that's what i want for us but it's everywhere and like, <laughs> like the fact that she it's admits great. That it's, it's getting in her head like she thinks yeah. she thinks she's supposed to want that now because yeah. everybody else is wanting it and they're all doing it and she's like admits to him that like she it's getting to her and she's lashing out because of it but also yeah. she doesn't even know if that is what she wants like yeah. it is a fucking fantastic conversation and now that that is all out in the open he can even call her and be like i'm not gonna make it to the party i got a thing i'm sorry and she's like okay yeah yeah uh I'll, so i'll see you later and then he does yeah. it's great yeah um and then number one is X Men. I it's really hard to nail down one thing yeah. in all of this that I loved, but this this week I mean this week was overall really good. Yeah, which is it's always it's always so jarring when that happens. Like the one down spot was Son of Satan, which was just all over the place. Like. They were going for some Hieronymus Bosch type shit. And I'm like, all right, whatever. Yeah, yeah I get it. It's hell. Okay. Um, but like, again, like we always say, it's difficult to talk about these when they're just meh. And yeah. like that one was meh. Yeah, it was. I couldn't even hate it because it was just a dream. So, yeah. uh, but man, like 
these these weeks where everything is so good i'm just like man i love comics yeah and it's 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 hard in weeks when we do have the stuff that you're just like oh my god kill me why did i do this (laughs) like uh to keep sight of that but then you have weeks like this where you're just like this is real everything is wonderful like this this is fun i am enjoying myself and it reminded me like that's the best part of x of x-men this week in a weird way i guess is it reminded me how good this is gonna get like i know we're not gonna be reading x-men every goddamn week but like it just oh my god this gets so good guys like yeah and peter like i was a little iffy on uh spectacular spider-man just being around because i having to read concurrent books irritates me but like holy shit both of those stories were really good um and i think it'll get better once jim shooter takes over and they start having group editors. Yeah. I think that will help with a lot of that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of kind of keeping a consistent tone across all of the book. Like, you know, when you have multiple Spider-Man books, then an editor is sitting over all of them going, okay, you can't have this happen over here because this is happening over here. And here it's just kind of like, editors calling each other up and being like hey so i was gonna have this happen and another guy being like all right (laughs) like i don't know you know whereas there is there is like a kevin Feige standing overhead going okay guys what are we doing like yeah so oh man we do get a lot of x-men in the next two weeks well, we actually there's several there's several things in the next few weeks. Uh, so next week we have um, the next several issues of X Men, some Captain Marvel, some Spider Man, and then a couple issues of Eternals. The week after we have it's a Claremont heavy week because oh. we have the beginning of Ms. Marvel. Yeah, I was going to say we this have is Iron Fist. Ms. Marvel gets introduced next week then. Uh, not this, n- not this coming week that we're going to record next weekend, but the week after. Okay. Um, and then Iron Fist and a whole lot of X Men. Um, so yeah, uh, exciting, but neat. Uh, in the meantime. Like us on Facebook, follow us both individually and at Watchers Guide MU on Twitter. Um, email us at watchersguide at gmail.com or visit our website at watchersguide.com. Stay safe and have a marvelous week. Bye.